0: quiet brook of bliss that's where he restores and revives my life he opens before me pathways to god's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that i can bring honor to his name lord even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness fear will never conquer me for you already have You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. my best friend, my shepherd, I always have more than enough, he offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love, his tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss, that's where he restores and revives my life, he opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you
1: to Victor Christian Fellowship right here in Palmyra, Pennsylvania. We're so glad that you could join us. And if you're watching this, we're so glad that you can tune in. We're here to praise the Lord. Amen. We're here to receive of his goodness. So Heavenly Father, we're so grateful and thankful that we have this opportunity to connect with you. And we thank you, Lord, that you are alive and you are well and you are doing great and mighty things in us, through us and to us. And, Lord, we just bless your name and we welcome your presence here in our midst. And we give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. And
2: let's stand together a song to some of you. But it's Sean's favorite song. This is his last Sunday with us, so we're going to sing it together, right? But you've heard it before. This place. Oh, we worship you in this house today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us the anointing that destroys yokes and bondages and sets people free. We release that in this atmosphere today, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you seek us out when we don't even know we're lost. When you find us when we're hiding. You know exactly where we are. You know every hair on our head. You, We are the apple of your eye. We thank you, Lord. Come on. Take a breath.
1: Your holy name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We
2: worship, Lord Almighty.
1: Oh, hallelujah, Lord Jesus.
2: Uh, we lift up Your precious holy name.
1: Oh, we give You glory and honor and
2: praise.
1: Let's just stay here for a minute, and let's just give God praise. Let everything that you've been focusing on, let it just drop right now, and just put your hearts and eyes on Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, we look to you. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. Oh, we bless your holy name, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus. so good. You are so faithful. And your truth is from everlasting to everlasting. And we acknowledge you today, Lord, in all of our ways, that you may direct our paths. And Lord, we thank you that you speak to us. Precious, precious moments that I have with you in fellowship where we can commune together and I can show you my heart and tell you my secrets and show you the way in which to go. Oh, for I have great things in store for each and every one of you. I've called you to myself, and I want to share them with you. So come into my presence, come into my glory, and listen, and I will explain the story. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team.
2: Hallelujah!
1: We are glad that you are here this morning. Being, God designed His people to come together regularly. Amen. Because you know there's a there's a corporate anointing that happens when God's people are together. And uh, we're glad that you're here this morning. Well, one of the things that we do here at BCF is we like to speak the word. And uh, our confession for this quarter emphasizes holy fire. So I want to invite each and every one of you to join us as we say our confession together. Let's make our confession. Our God God is a consuming consuming. fire. He upholds his word and and we worship worship him alone. alone. The fire of God is His glory that is holy and pure. We respect, honor, and reverence His holy fire. God's fire set our hearts ablaze with a love that glows, a faith that ignites, and a devotion that consumes. We hate sin with a fierceness that burns, and we rejoice in God with radiating joy. The fire of the Lord will guide us through darkness And cause us to triumph over our enemies. God comes with fire to comfort, encourage, and empower us. And to execute judgment on our foes. There is a fire that has been ignited within. us. It burns in our hearts and our bones. We are his flames of fire. We will not let his holy flame go out. But we will keep our lamps full of oil to burn bright for him. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen.
3: Amen. Good morning. A few announcements for today. Let's start with this Wednesday. We will have Wednesday night refreshing starting at 7 p.m.
2: 6.30.
3: Okay. We have to say that a couple of times. 6.30. 6.30. That's a new time from a long time ago, but I haven't made an announcement since we changed the time. And that's how our memory muscle works. So 6.30 Wednesday night refreshing this Wednesday, which is the 21st. The next week, there will not be a service. So the last Wednesday of July, there will not be a Wednesday night reser- service, Wednesday night refreshing service. Okay, so that's the Wednesday. The next Sunday, the 25th, Pastor Nelson will be bringing us the message. And then the following Sunday, August 1st, which happens to be Pastor Doug's birthday, we will have a guest speaker, Sadie Krill. She was here previous. She's Pastor Sam Smucker's sister. And she's going to be bringing us the message next Sunday. In um, two Sundays, August 1st. And I believe all this is on our website. Yes. yes. So you can always reference the website, or if once you get home you're not sure, you can always call the office and Lisa will be glad to help you. Now, I am happy to announce that our youth, we went to um, Let Us Worship Encounter in Philadelphia a few weeks ago. And they cooperated with Gabe, who put together a video. They're testifying and sharing a little bit of their experience and what God has done in their life. So there's more that they don't have on this video. So I encourage you to talk to them and ask them to share with you what God did at Let Us Encounter. I mean, Let Us Worship. Encounter. I don't call it an event because it was definitely an encounter with God. And we were in the middle of a street that they blocked off in Philadelphia, and it was super exciting. So I'm, I'm, I haven't seen the video. I've seen them like some of them give their testimony, so I'm excited to see this. Here we go. Raining a lot, and we were praying that it would clear up. And when it did clear up, there was a double rainbow behind us for the whole event. There was a bunch of altar calls, and I went to like four of them, and I got freed of a lot of things, and now I just have the joy and peace of God. All over, I rededicated my life to Christ and basically I've been feeling amazing. And the best part about the trip was the worship.
0: And I was just able to be set free from a bunch of stuff. God worked in my life and changed my perspective on a lot of things. Up in the clouds, it shaped a heart above the uh, stage. Eddie James, nice singer. He totally, he could make that
3: stage jam. But it was a lot of fun to see God move in the streets of Philadelphia and to just enjoy God's presence and to see all those cool, amazing things God was doing for everybody. So. At the event we laid and stretched forth hands to people who were partially deaf and by the end, even if it took some time, they were all able to hear clearly. It was a free atmosphere, shame free, guilt-free, condemnation free. It was you were free to be yourself, free to worship the Lord and he responded. the worship at the end of the night, It was fun. Um, It was really awesome, and it was amazing to see so many people on behalf of God. Well, we went up to the altar, and... We all got set free from something. And I know when Sean Foyt was doing his worship session, I at one point just cried with like compassion, which I almost never do. So I felt something break in the spirit, which is really awesome. And now I just kind of want to reach the loss a lot more. And then at the end of the night, I know I just felt the glory so heavy upon me that I had a really hard time walking back to the van. (laughs) I couldn't really walk in a straight line. And then I practically fell over before I got in the van, and we were totally drunk in the Holy Spirit for at least 20 to 30 minutes.
1: You know, I want you to know that the Church of Jesus Christ has the goods. And it doesn't matter what's happening in the world... People need what the church, what the true church is about. And uh, I, uh, I went to McDonald's this morning to get uh, Josiah something. And um, the lady who was checking me out uh, at the drive-thru, you know, she said, are you going to church? And I said, yep. I said, uh, you ought to come sometime. She said, yeah, where is it? I, I told her where it was, and she said... You know, every time I go to church, I, I I feel like I want to cry and I feel guilty. And I said, you know what? I said, that's just God reaching out to you. And she goes, oh, thank you. But you know what? People need what we have. They need to have an encounter with Jesus. Amen. And uh, that's why we get together uh, so often every week, twice a week, more than twice a week for every group. Amen. And uh before I have uh, Gabriel and Sean come up, I just want to share something with you from uh, Matthew chapter 19. And um, Jesus, a, a rich young ruler, came to Jesus. And um, he asked him, what must I do to be saved and really the answer, you can't do anything to be saved but believe on Jesus. right? In other words, you can't earn salvation. Salvation is a gift. But this this rich young ruler had an idol in his life. It was materialism. Money was not his servant. He was actually a slave to his money. Because the Lord told him, he said... Well, do all the commandments. And he said, I've done this since my life, which, well, anyway. How many know that, have you followed all the commandments since you were a young person? I know I haven't. Amen. I missed some along the way. Right? But when the Lord told him, he said, okay, here's what you need to do. Sell everything that you have and give it all away and become my disciple. Jesus was offering him discipleship, but what happened to the young man? He walked away sorrowful. Why? Because of his stuff. His stuff had him. He didn't have his stuff. Amen? Now, God doesn't mind you having stuff, right? I mean, you're talking about a God who paves his streets with gold, pure gold, so pure that it's clear, right? He said, "All the gold and the silver is mine. He doesn't mind you having gold or silver or diamonds or jewels or nice cars or nice houses as long as they don't have you right and uh, even though this young man said this is these are all the things that i 've done it wasn't based on what he was done it wasn't based on what he did. it was based on what he wouldn't do or what he wouldn't give. so I just want to encourage you this morning, you know. You can invest your best to God. And God has the best investment plan ever. Through tithes and offerings, we give to God's kingdom. And here you can give anytime uh, during the service. And I mean anytime. I really mean that. If I'm preaching, if you feel the oppressed to give, go give. We have a container uh, over here and a container over here. You can go online. You can use a card through the bookstore, however you want to do it. And... uh, when you make an investment, God will receive it and multiply it. Amen. So, Father, I thank you for every gift and giver of these gracious and wonderful people, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you receive their gifts. You cause them to multiply. And you give them protection, provision, and prosperity in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This was a uh, quote by a guy by the name of uh, Graham uh, Scroggie. And he says this, Too many Christians live on the right side of Easter, but the wrong side of Pentecost. They believe in resurrection, but they don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. They live on the right side of pardon, but the wrong side of power. The right side of forgiveness, but the wrong side of fellowship. They are out of Egypt, but have not reached the land of promise and blessing. You know, it's one thing to get get a person out of Egypt, but it's another thing to get the Egypt out of a person. They are still wandering about in the wilderness of frustration and dissatisfaction. And then, did you know that each one of us are writing a gospel? Listen to this. You are writing a gospel, a chapter... Each day, by the deeds you do and the words you say. Men read what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the gospel according to you? Amen. Well, I want to invite uh, Gabriel and uh, Sean to come up. And uh, they're leaving us. They're not going just to go. They're going because they're sent. Amen. God has called these young men to go and be trained uh, at Ramah Bible Training Center. And uh, we're going to be taking them uh, down next Thursday. And uh, we're so excited about what God's going to do. I want you to stand up with me and uh, stretch forth your hands. Amen. You want to come? Two, you want to come, Josiah? Anybody else uh, that wants to come? Nadine Nelson, you want to come and uh, surround these young men? And we're, you know, uh, we're going to send them out. Amen? And Father, we are so grateful and thankful for the call of God on Sean and Gabriel. Lord, and you are calling them into greater things. You are commissioning them for a divine mission. You are empowering them for the next season of their life, Father. And we bless them today with favor, goodness, and grace. And I thank you, Lord, that you will cause all things to work for their good because they love you and are called according to your purpose. May they flourish with favor. Father, May they have your divine protection and your prosperity as they increase in this next season in the name of Jesus. And Lord, today, we bless them with fresh oil. We bless them with fresh power. We bless them with a fresh anointing in the name of Jesus. May the anointing of the Lord come upon them and make them strong and cause them to do great exploits in this earth. And I give you thanks and praise, Lord, that they are going with you. And they're going to represent you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And amen. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, we love and appreciate these guys. Amen. We're so grateful for them. And uh, yes, they'll be here Wednesday. Praise God. And then Thursday morning we make our journey. Hallelujah. But we serve a good God, don't we? All right. For all the kids that are here, we have Kids Life. That's kids living in faith every day. We're so grateful for our teachers and our kids that have come. Kids, we want to dismiss you. Have a great and wonderful day. Have a good class. Learn about Jesus. Hallelujah. Be touched by the power of God. And the reason we cheer is because we want to let them know that church is exciting. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be part of a church like this. I don't, I'm not just excited because I'm the pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, are you ready for God this morning to show us some things to touch us? to encourage us, to lift us up. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to get into the Word. I want you to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Romans, chapter 8. Have you ever thought of the meaning of the word Christian? Well, yeah, I became one, you know. But what really is a Christian? What does it mean to be to have that label or to have that name? You know, this message today: if you're not a Christian, you should become one, because it's the greatest decision that you'll ever make, and it sets your course for eternity to the to 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 the to the uh, penthouse in the sky. Not the terrible basements below the earth. And if you are a Christian, this is simply going to encourage you, encourage your relationship with Christ to keep it strong. How many know you've got to keep it strong? Amen? You know, getting a new car is nice, but then you've got maintenance. Right? Having a new house is nice, but then you've got to cut the grass. You've got to clean the windows. You've got to take out the trash, right? And, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that were touched in the ministry of Jesus, right? I mean, when you think about it, when you think of Peter, Peter was a fisherman. And he had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus used his boat to preach a message, right? And then, as a reward, he told Peter to launch out in the deep. And Peter said, oh, Lord, I've toiled all night, you know. He didn't want to, did he? But he said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down. And he caught so much fish, he was astonished, right? And after he caught the fish, he dropped to his knees. He said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. He recognized his sinfulness. But guess what? Him and his brother, Andrew, and his partners, James and John, from that moment on, they became followers of Christ. Amen? They made a commitment to follow Jesus. Right? They had an encounter with God. Right? How about Mary Magdalene? She's carrying around seven devils. Right? In Luke 8, the Bible says that seven devils left her. Can you say amen? Amen. You know? And she became one of the closest followers of Jesus. She was first at the tomb. Right? And she followed Jesus. She was at the cross with Jesus' mama. Amen? Mary Magdalene had an encounter with Jesus. And she committed her life to following him. How about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus. He was a greedy little tax collector, right? And he, he, he had to climb a tree to see Jesus. And as Jesus was walking by, because he was so short, he had to climb the tree because of the crowds, you know? Would you climb a tree just to see Jesus? This man was serious. And Jesus walked by him. He said, today I'm going to have lunch with you. Paraphrase. That's the Pishka paraphrase, <laughs> Right? And and that day, Zacchaeus said, If I've wronged people, I will give them four times. He went from greed to giving because he had an encounter with Jesus. Right? I'm just laying the groundwork of what it means. How about the woman at the well in John 4? She's had multiple broken relationships. Her heart was probably a mangled mess, right? Because she's living with a guy who's not her husband. She's had four or five husbands. And she meets Jesus at a well, right? And they're having a conversation about water. And Jesus starts to, he transitions the conversation from well water to living water, right? And she had an encounter with Jesus. She believed in Jesus as the Messiah, and she and she was so uh, impacted that she went and told everybody she knew, and half the town came out to her, hear him for themselves. And they invited Jesus to stay there for two days. Right? Just an encounter at a well. It changed her life forever. You know, the, the good thing about Jesus, you can encounter him anywhere. Right? And... Uh, He's designed this church. How about Acts 2? 3,000 people were so touched to the heart that in one moment, they gave their hearts to Jesus. They got baptized. Can you imagine how long it took to baptize 3,000 people all at once? That's a lot of Dunkin' Donuts, right? How about the man who was born blind in John 9? He had an encounter with Jesus. They said, how come he's blind? Who sinned? This man or this or his parents? They said, no one, that the glory of God may be shown him. And he was healed, completely healed, right? He got kicked out of the synagogue. Because they didn't believe, that, you know, they, they kept questioning him. Who healed him? Who did this? He didn't even know who did it until Jesus met him. You know, because they kicked Jesus out of the synagogue too. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And he said, well, who is the Messiah? And Jesus says, you're talking to him. And he says, I believe. The man had an encounter with Jesus. And he became a believer. Amen? How about the man from Gadara? You know, he can relate to Mary Magdalene. Right? He had a lot of devils in him. We are many. We are legion, right? Right? And he met Jesus. This man's living in the tombs, running naked and cutting himself. He was breaking chains because he was possessed until he met Jesus. And he ran and worshipped Jesus. And then they find him in his right mind and clothed. How many know Jesus brought some clothes with him for that assignment? Amen? You ever think about that? I mean, it's not like they went to the store and got clothes. He's with a big herd of pigs. But his life was changed. How about Nicodemus, the religious leader who came to Jesus at night? Don't want anybody to see me. <laughs> right? And Jesus tells him, you're not going to see the kingdom of God unless you get born again. And Nicodemus is thinking, you mean I got to go back in my mother's womb? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Jesus was talking about something spiritual, being born from above, making Jesus Christ your Lord. You know, Nicodemus ended up helping uh, the guy who owned the tomb take down his body. Nicodemus became a defender of Jesus. Right? And how about finally in Luke 17, the leper that turned back. Ten lepers... Got healed, but one turned back and came and worshipped him. Amen? He had an encounter with Jesus. Alright, so let's look at Romans 8, starting with verse 29. This morning I'm going to talk to you about the goal of Christianity is to be Christ-like. There's one goal in Christianity, and that is to be like Christ. So I'm going to encourage you to be like Christ today. Amen? Romans 8.29 says this. For whom he did foreknow. God knew you so before. He knew you before you in your mother's womb. And he had plans for you. He has a purpose for you. He designed you. He, He foreknew you. He knew you before you were ever going to be. Whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate. He had an assignment designed for you by the time you were born. He already had a design and a plan for you. He predestinated you. Every one of us has a destiny, right? And God predestinated us. Before I I was born, God knew I was going to be a pastor. I didn't figure it out until I was 19. Amen? Amen. So whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. You're supposed to be conformed to his image. You're supposed to talk like him. You're supposed to act like him. You're supposed to live like him. That should have gotten an amen. God made it possible for us to do that. Right? Right? He wouldn't tell us to be conformed to his image if it wasn't possible. Why? Because the Bible is all true, isn't it? It's forever settled in heaven. Right? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God sowed a seed of Jesus into this earth and it produced a family. And that family is still growing today. Members are still being added to the family. Amen? Amen. If you're not part of the family, come on. It's a good family. It's a good family to be part of. All right? Moreover, verse 30, whom he did predestinate, he also called. God called you. Not only did he call you, he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you've ever done. And he loves you. But he called you. Every one of us are called to him. God called you to himself. There's a lot of people who haven't answered the call yet. Right? The phone's still ringing. Right? When are they going to pick up? (laughs) And whom he called, them he justified. Oh my goodness. He called you and he made you righteous like you've never sinned. Praise God. You are as righteous as Jesus is. You are justified. You're called. You're predestined. You're foreknown. You're justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. How many... God, God shares His glory with us. Alright? So, we are called. We are called to Jesus. Right? And then another part of your calling is your assignment. First you're called to Jesus, then you're called to do something. Right? It might be to a group of people, it might be to a geographic area, it might be to an age group, it might be a business, it might be you know, there's all kinds of callings. It's not the callings are not just for ministers. Everybody has a calling. Okay? And we're justified Oh man, our sins have been blotted out. Our sins have been redacted. Glory to God. They've been washed under the blood. Can't be seen by anyone. Amen? And let's go to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And let's start with verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as uh, Phenis and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. So everybody was... Gathered together in Jerusalem, right? And nobody wanted to leave Jerusalem. People were getting saved. Disciples were increasing. You know, when the church started, it had no building. There there were no church buildings where a church could gather. They had to gather in the temple and they had to gather in homes. But then persecution came in. Why did persecution? Because God needed to spread them out, right? And when persecution came in, they went out. But they went out with the message. Okay? Alright, verse uh, 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Did you know it was a man from Cyrene who helped Jesus carry his cross? And Cyprus is an is a island there uh, in the Mediterranean. And which, uh, when they were come to Antioch, They spoke unto Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus, all right, Greek-speaking people. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Everybody say the hand. You know, God's got to hand it to you. His hand is with you, right? That represents his power and authority. And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Everybody say a great number. All right, they believed and they turned to the Lord. Why? Because they heard the message of the gospel. They heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Verse 22. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas. Hallelujah. That he should go as far as Antioch. Who, when he came... He had seen the grace of God. Did you know that you can? there's evidence of the grace of God working in a place and in a people? Amen. He saw the evidence of the grace of God and was glad. Everybody say, was glad. You know, you ought to get excited when God is working. Amen. Some people say amen or oh me, but it's the same anyway. <laughs> right? And he exhorted them all. That with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. Everybody say cleave. That means you've got to get a hold of Jesus and not anything else, right? Jesus is your parachute if you're jumping out of a plane. You've got nothing else to hold on to but that parachute, right? So he encouraged them, cleave unto the Lord, the Holy Ghost, and of faith. And much people was added to the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus to seek for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So Barnabas went and got Paul and he brought him to Antioch, right? And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called what? Christians first at Antioch. This term was first introduced in the city of Antioch, right? They were called Christians because of what they believed and who they worshipped, okay? So they were called Christians or Christianos is the Greek word. And it means a Christian, a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, one who trusts in Christ as Savior, And Lord, one who belongs to Christ. So if you're a Christian, you can't be a Christian without being connected to Christ. Christ is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the one whom gave his life to save us from sin. So to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. Okay? So... It only occurs, this word only occurs three times. Here and then in Acts 26, when Paul was ministering to Agrippa, King Agrippa says, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Amen? How many know sometimes it takes some persuasion for people to be a Christian? Right? All right, so let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, and let's find out what being Christ-like means. Obviously... This is not a, uh, this is just a portion of some things in the Bible. Amen? This is not an end-all list. Alright? So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. Notice what it says. For as much as you know that you were, re- you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation or your bad lifestyle, received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So, a uh, Christians, they believe in God, they're redeemed from sin, and they believe in the resurrection of Jesus. So, if you're a Christian, Christ-like, he believes in the resurrection, doesn't he? Jesus said, you kill this, you destroy this temple three days, you're going to raise it up. How many times did he predict his resurrection? He believed in it, the disciples didn't. Until it happened, and they saw it for themselves, right? But he told them. So, a Christian believes in God. Do you believe in God today? You've got to have your faith in something. It can't be in nothing. Right? And you're redeemed from sin. You've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. Amen? And you believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Hallelujah. How many believe in the resurrection? You know, if Jesus gets a raise, you get a raise. Because that's how it works. Right? All right. So to be a Christian is to be Christ-like, is to think like Christ, is to act like Christ, is to speak like us. Oh, that's just, that's just too much. I can't do it. Yes, you can. God enabled us to do it. God called us to do it. God equipped us to do it. If you live like the devil, you can certainly live like Christ. Amen? Can a leopard change his spots? Yeah, if he meets Jesus. How many people did I talk about in the beginning who changed their life? Everybody say change is possible, change is possible. and change is expected. Yeah. Did you know that when they rose Lazarus from the dead, they didn't expect him to walk around with gravecloths? You know, it's one thing to get t- t- called out of the grave, but then sometimes we got this dead junk hanging on us. We're tied to dead things, right? Because we were involved with dead works, right? So we need to have those grave cloths taken off. Those dead cloths that we're wrapped up in need to be removed, amen? That's called Christianity. That's the process. In Christianity, God removes the grave cloths. And what does He do? Underneath those grave cloths is a brand new person, a new creature. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. You're going to get a tour of the Bible today, by the way. Well, I didn't sign up for it. Yeah, it's, it's included in the package. Galatians chapter 3. Hallelujah. To be a Christian means to be Christ-like. Say that. Say, to be a Christian Amen. means to be Christ-like. Amen. So when you, when you say that you're a Christian, think about it. Think about what you're doing, think about what you're saying, think about how you're living. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but do you do anything that Christ does? No. Then you lied. (laughs) I'm telling you what the Bible says. (laughs) Galatians 3.27 For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ... Have put on Christ. Hallelujah. You have entered into a spiritual union with Christ. Glory to God. A Christian is baptized into Christ. You're baptized into the anointing. You're baptized into the Messiah. Did you know that there are three baptisms? There is a baptism in Christ, there is a baptism in water, which is a picture of what you did with Christ, and then there's a baptism of fire, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Three baptisms. Right? God makes sure that you're really immersed in Him. Amen? Hallelujah. So a Christian is baptized in Christ, united with Him, you share His nature. Hallelujah. You've got to get a hold of it. You share the nature of Jesus. Second Peter chapter one, we are partakers of His divine nature. Isn't that awesome? What does God do? He removes the nature of sin. See what, we were all born into sin. We were all born with a sin nature, and our nature had to be changed. We couldn't buy a new nature. We couldn't work for a new nature. But we, we could get a new nature by putting our faith and trust in God. Yeah, and the minute you accept Jesus as Lord, your nature changes. Yeah. In that moment, you are recreated. Yeah. You are reborn. You are born again. So a Christian, you're baptized into Christ. You look, smell, and act like Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Right. let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to look at verse 4. You know, we have to be able to, we have to understand what it means to be a Christian so that we can communicate that to others. Amen? And how do we communicate it? Through how we live and words we say. Right? We, we're communicating whose we are every day, whether you realize it or not. We are communicating that. All right, right, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. Well, if you made, you became a Christian all that stuff happened to you, I'm not going to become a Christian. Let me tell you, that tells me that Christians are unstoppable. Yes. No matter what the devil throws at you, he's not going to win. He's not going to succeed. He's not going to overcome. You are destined to win. You are destined to succeed. Yes. Christians can handle a lot. Yes. Not once did Paul relinquishes Christianity for all the things that he went through. You know, when Christians suffer for the gospel's sake, it's a time of rejoicing. The disciples in Acts 5, they were told not to preach in Jesus' name. Okay? And as a, as a reminder, they were flogged. You know what that means? They were beaten. You know what? When they left the Sanhedrin, they rejoiced. Everybody say they rejoiced. You just got beat up. Yeah, I got beat up for Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Why? There's someone greater in me. We've got to learn how to tap into the greatness of God and stop being bogged down by circumstances. Quit blaming your circumstances for your lack of success or your lack of progress. You, you have big faith. You can overcome it. Yes. That's just a little word of fatherly encouragement. You cannot keep a Christ follower down. I'm telling you, the devil church ride with Paul. The devil's thinking, what do I got to do to stop this guy? What do I got to do to shut, his, shut him up? Amen. I've done everything I know to do. And he was not successful. Yeah. Think about that. Now, once the, this, this man, do you realize he wrote several books of the Bible from a prison cell? Yeah. I mean, you can find something to do with what you have and in in, in where you are. Amen. a Christian is designed to overcome and win. When you became a Christian, you became a winner. Hallelujah. You you follow the greatest winner of all, one who took the keys of death, hell and the grave. Hallelujah. A Christian works and serves God with his best talents, time, and treasure. Alright, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Flip on over to Philippians. Hallelujah. We're going to start with verse 7. And there's a lot of things in this passage right here. Alright? Maybe this might be the meat and potatoes in this message. Alright, Philippians chapter 3... Verse seven. Am I reading to you the Bible? Whenever you're hearing the Bible, you're hearing God talking to you. Amen? And then God gives you a choice as to whether or not you're going to believe it or do it. God never makes you get saved. If, if that were true, we'd all be in heaven right now. Because he would make the world get saved. But he doesn't because he gives the world a choice. He presents his good news, which has power in it, and people decide what they're going to do with it. Okay? Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, there I counted loss for Christ. What does that tell me? Nothing can compare to Christ. When you have Christ... I have Christ. That's why I'm a Christian. I'm not a Christian because of anything else. I'm a Christian because I have Christ. How do I have Christ? I invited him into my life. I asked him in. He responds to invitations. You don't even have to RSVP Jesus. When you give him an invitation, he answers. Amen? Think about that. I count everything as loss for the gain of Christ. That's pretty powerful. That's a statement, isn't it? You know, so many people are, are worried about what they think they're going to lose when they come to Christ. How about what you gain? What you gain is far greater. Right? I think eternal life pretty much tops the list of anything that you could ever... Eternal life is better than uh, the fastest car, the nicest car, the, the biggest home, right? The nicest clothes. Eternal life is better than everything. Right? Now... God made it such that you can have eternal life and enjoy everything too. That's the kind of God we serve. Yeah. Thank you. Verse 8. Let me read this from the Amplified. Okay? I'm going to read it again from verse 7. Whatever former things were gained to me as the... As I thought then, these things once regarded as advancements in merit have come to consider loss. Absolutely worthless for the sake of Christ. Verse, and the purpose for which he has given my life. How many know you have a divine purpose? Every one of us has a divine purpose. We gotta, we, you know, the Bible says to us to walk worthy of your calling. Right? Okay, verse eight. But more than that, I count everything as lost compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Can you say Amen? amen. Do you realize that if a person gains the whole world but lose their soul, they've gained nothing. Your soul is worth more than the world. Verse 9. And because he knows the Lord, the Amplified says he's growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him. And a joy unequaled. Let me say a joy unequaled. I'm telling you, there's a joy in knowing Jesus. He is the source of joy. He'll give you his joy so that your joy can be full. For his his sake, I have lost everything, and I consider it all garbage, so that I may gain Christ. What's he saying? There's nothing in this world that can compare to Jesus. Okay? That I may be found in him. Not having any of my own righteousness derived from my obedience to the law and its rituals, but possessing a genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ. The purpose of Christianity is to be Christ-like. Alright? Do you realize everything that God asks you to do, Jesus is? Or Jesus did? God's not asking you to do anything that he didn't do himself. When God asked you to give of yourself, he gave of himself, right? When God asks you to give, he gave the greatest gift of all, right? He's not asking us to do anything that he doesn't do himself. Why? He wants us to pattern after him. He wants us to follow his example, walk in his footsteps, do what he did, amen? That's the whole point of Christianity. Everybody hold up your hands. Do you realize as a believer in Christ you can lay hands on the sick and sickness will flee from your hands? When you lay hands on a sick person, the Bible says they shall recover. Amen? That's your hands. The believer's hands. He says that in Mark 16. Alright, verse 10. And this so that I may know him, becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person... More completely, in the same way, experience the power of his resurrection. How many want the power of his resurrection? Well, you know, that comes with the fellowship of his sufferings. There were things that Jesus suffered. I'm going to get into that in a minute. All right. The power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers. Say, in me, there's resurrection power. And it's working. Think about that. Resurrect life-giving power. Amen. Is working right now in you. Glory to God. That I may share the fellowship of his sufferings. Being continually conformed to his likeness. To, to his death. Dying as he did. So that I may attain the resurrection that will raise me from the dead. So Christian's. Relationship with Christ is worth more than anything else. A Christian knows Christ as Lord and is growing in that knowledge. Everybody say growing. It's one thing to meet Him, but it's another thing to carry that relationship out. All right, Christianity is a journey. It's a lifetime. Wherever you started your journey doesn't matter when you started. Thank God that you started, but from that point on, it's a journey. Right? It's a marathon you got to walk it out, walk out your own salvation, or work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? Everybody say, I'm walking it out. Okay? A Christian gains Christ through faith and is found in him as righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As long as you relate to Christ, you, get, you become righteous. Amen. The moment you meet Jesus, you are righteous. Say, I'm the righteousness of God. So what does the righteousness of God do? They do right things. It's hard to be righteous and do wicked things. That's an oxymoron. Right? Do you realize that God actually expects us to carry out a life like Christ? Think about the investment that he made in you. He gave his life. He shed his blood. He took on our sin. He committed no sin. His life was not worthy of death. Now the thief that was hanging next to him said, you know, we should be here because we're thieves. He knew exactly that. His life, where it got him. Where his choices got him. The thief knew that he made bad choices. But Jesus didn't make bad choices. Jesus never sinned. Not even, not ever. And he took on our sin. So that we could be sin free. Amen. He delivered us out from the dominion of sin. Because, see... Most, many people, they don't realize sin is a trap. When we sin, we're now under bondage to the enemy because it's a trap. But we don't know it's a trap because the enemy disguises it not to look like a trap. I mean, you're not going to give someone a drink with a skull and crossbones on it if you want to poison them. You're going to put a little smiley face on it, Right? Maybe you put some bubbles in it or something, or a nice umbrella, right? You're going to make it look like it's good until you taste it. Then you drink it and things start to get fuzzy and, you know. All right. Hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Are you understanding what a Christian is? It's like Christ, amen? So you could go through the Bible and everywhere it mentions the word Christ, that's a description of you. Think about it. A Christian is Christ-like, so everywhere it mentions the word Christ, those are things that he wants and expects of us. Aren't you glad God just laid it out so good in the Bible? All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. It says, to whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed or rejected indeed of men. Did you know that a lot of men rejected Christ? They rejected him. But chosen of God and precious, you also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house... A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. A Christian offers sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God. That's what a priest does, right? A priest would sacrifice on behalf of the people. Right? In the Old Testament, in the old system, they'd have to collect bulls and goats and sheep and all this stuff. And they made sacrifices, right? And once a year on the Day of Atonement, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies. He'd sacrifice the, the, the heifer and that would atone for the sins for a year. No one else could go in there. But when Jesus came... He burst the door wide open, amen? He tore the temple veil, and not, I'm telling you, it's not just for the high priest anymore, but it's for every believer in Christ Jesus. Say, I'm a king, and I'm a priest. Those are positions that God gave to us, knowing Jesus Christ. We are kings and priests, amen? So what's a spiritual sacrifice? What can we offer to God? Number one, you can offer yourself to God. Remember the prophet Isaiah, when he saw Jesus high and lifted up, he said, here am I, send me. You can offer yourself to God. Here I am, God, I'll do whatever. That's that's what I did when I found out my call. My prayer to God was, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to be, I'll be. That's what I told him. And that's what he showed me to go to Ramah. And it was at Rama when I discovered I was called to preach the gospel. And it was at Ramah where God showed me that I would travel for a short time and then I would pastor. That's exactly what happened. How many know God knows this stuff? Say, God has a good plan for me. And whether you're following that plan or not, that's yours to discover. You get to discover his plan. His plan is there. His plan is already laid out. But through your fellowship and relationship with Him, that's how you discover that plan. If you never fellowship or or talk with God or listen to Him, you're never going to discover that plan. And then, if, if you live a life where you've never discovered God's plan, and you get to the end of your life, and God's going to say, what did you do with what I told you? Well, I didn't know what you told me. Uh Uh-oh, that's not going to be good. (laughs) Amen? So, what can you offer? You you can offer honor to God. How many know that we have to have a fear of God? It means to reverence, honor, respect, but the word fear is good. We ought to have a healthy fear of God. You know, the fear of God will prevent you from doing something wrong. How many of you was ever about to do something and you realized what your, what your mom would think or what your dad would think and you wouldn't do it? Right? Yeah? We've been there, huh? See, having a fear of God, why didn't Joseph have a relationship with Potiphar's wife? Because he had a fear of God. And he fled the scene. Right? He refused to have an affair. Every, the devil set everything up for him. Everybody was gone. No one in the house. You know? And Potiphar's wife was after Joseph for a long time. But he he had a fear of God. So that's what was, That's a spiritual sacrifice. You can live for God. That's a spiritual sacrifice. How about study his word? That's a spiritual sacrifice. Well, I'm not a good reader. Get over it. You know, God can heal your reading ability. So don't limit yourself what you can receive from God by not reading. How many of did, is, Does everyone in here have a brain? I know you do, right? So God gave all of us a brain, right? So we, every one of us has the ability to learn something. How many has ever learned something you've never knew before? Right? Amen. So, so don't make excuses why you can't do what God said. That didn't work out so well for Moses. Right? You have to read Exodus 3 to find out what that is. All right, spiritual sacrifices. You can praise and worship Him, right? That's a spiritual sacrifice. How about pray? That's a spiritual sacrifice, right? How about intercede for someone? Oh, that's a spiritual sacrifice. How about love and serve God? That's a spiritual sacrifice, right? How about do good to others? You know, the Bible will eradicate selfishness. Amen? Jesus did not do what he did for himself. He did it for all of us. He was other conscious. He wasn't self-conscious. And he was God conscious. He did what God wanted him to do, and he did it for you and I. Hallelujah. You know, we're supposed to present our bodies as instruments of righteousness, right? We're supposed to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. It's not unreasonable. Amen? All right. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're talking about the goal of Christianity is to be Christ-like. I'm just picking out some things about Christ. I mean, there's a whole lot more in there. And normally I have more notes than time. If you'd ever see my notes. But, you know, being a pastor, I've learned to condense it. You know, you heard about the farmer one time. It was in a small farming town. And there was a big storm that went through and. They were having special services. So one farmer showed up. That was it. So the preacher, he gets up there. He goes through everything, man. He takes the offering. He gives the message. He pours his heart out. And at the end of the service, he went to the farmer and he said, how was that? And the farmer said, well, when I go to the field and only one cow shows up to eat the hay, I don't give him the whole load. (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 16 for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him but we have the what did you hear that we have the what We have the mind of Christ. You and I, a Christian, has the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? That's the Holy Spirit. Right? Because in another passage, Jesus said, let this mind be in you, which was also in me. How? We have the mind of Christ. How am I ever going to think like that? You have the mind of Christ. How did Peter know that Jesus was the Son of the living God, the Christ? It was revealed to him from heaven, not flesh and blood. He knew in an instant. He had the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Amen? To instruct us. To guide us. Because let me tell you. When you get born again, you know know nothing of the kingdom. You don't know how to live in the kingdom. You don't know how to operate in the kingdom. We know nothing. So when we get born again, now we're part of this kingdom. We get translated. I've just been translated from darkness to light, and here I am. Right? There's a lot to know in the kingdom. You've got to know the laws of the kingdom. The law of love and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Right? There are laws in the kingdom. So, how do we get to know about the kingdom? Through instruction. What did God design on the earth to instruct his people? The church. Jesus is the CEO of the church. He said, I'm the head of the church. And his position hasn't changed. And he said, did you know that the church is gates of hell proof? I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. We're part of something that's gates of hell proof. Glory to God. But we have the mind of Christ. We can think his thoughts. We can know his heart. When you have the mind of Christ, you can relate to God when he's talking to you. We have the mind of Christ. Isn't that an awesome thing? Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Starting with verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. And really that's the essence of water baptism. It resembles the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism into death, and that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We ought to be walking in newness. Look at I got new I got a new garment. It's a garment of praise. Amen. It contradicts heaviness that I might experience in life. I have a garment of righteousness. Right? I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Don't I look good? I'm telling you, when you give your life to Jesus, your beauty really comes out. Verse 5. For we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's future. That means that we're going to have a body like Jesus had when he rose from the dead. We're going to be able to walk through molecules. We're going to be able to pass through doors. They might be closed, but that's not not going to stop us. We're going to travel at the speed of thought. That's better than beam me up, Scotty. Amen. It's a lot faster. Hallelujah. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Oh, thank God the old man's been nailed to the cross. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth, that means immediately. That's, that's Elizabethan English, Shakespearean, henceforth. That means right now. We should not serve sin. So if you've been serving sin, you've got to cut your ties to it when? Not tomorrow. Not when you wake up in the morning. Not when you go to bed at night. But right now. Let's cut the ties. Let's stop serving sin. Right now. We can do that through Christ. Amen? We're cutting the, cutting the cord to sin. Some of you have got to cut the cord to sin. You can do it right now. And believe me, God didn't come here to condemn you. He came here to save you. All right? So, cutting the, cutting the cord to sin is like taking out the trash. It's very easy. You'll be better off for it. And the stink will be gone. Amen? Amen? So a Christian has the privilege of walking and living in the newness of life through glory and power. A Christian has been freed from the power of sin and will live together with him. Christians are dead to sin and we have to continue to have unbroken fellowship with Christ. Don't let fellowship with Christ be distracted or broken. Amen? Did you know that Christ is the door? Jesus said, I'm the door of the sheep, right? He said that in John 10. Did you know that people can walk out the same door that they went in? Do you believe in once saved, always saved? No. If that were true, then the devil got a bum rap. What happened to the devil? He got kicked out of sin. Is there any hope for the devil? No. What happened to people who disobeyed God? Did they suffer loss? Did King Saul lose the anointing when he disobeyed God? Yeah, he lost the anointing to be king. Even though he still served in a position, he served in a position with no anointing, with no godly backing. So, when people make a choice to leave God, they can walk out the same door that they came in. And you get to a point, and you're going to let the flesh dominate your life, and you're going to let the flesh have its way, it'll take you further and further away from God. Yeah. To the point where maybe you even deny God. How, how can how can it get to that point? Because we, our flesh is not redeemed. Our mind has to be renewed. Amen? The only thing that's redeemed about us is our spirits right now. But when Jesus comes again, we're going to get the whole package. We just have the down payment right now. So if you want to be Christ-like, you've got to surrender to holiness. I'm going to leave you with this today about some keys to surrendering your life to the Lord. All right? See, to what degree you look and sound and act like Jesus, that's, it reflects the degree of your surrender. How yielded are you to God? 80%? 90%? Or 100%? Are there parts of your life that God can't work in? Because of, it's like one of those drawers in the kitchen that's full of junk, and sometimes you can't get it open, and you got to take it out, and you know, you're like pulling on the thing, and something's stuck in there, you know? Nobody else has those drawers, right, but me. You know what I'm talking about, right? Do you know when there's, when there's junk in our heart, like unforgiveness, bitterness, um, all those things, you know, it, it, it hinders God working through those parts. You know, it, bitterness is not going to help your faith. Unforgiveness is not going to help your faith, right? Gossip is not going to promote faith. <laughs> Amen. So let me help you surrender. I'm just going to leave you with these principles. The way to become like Christ is through surrender. Number one, you no longer look at life through the natural or man's perspective. Okay? You look at, you look at life through a spiritual or God's per, perspective. You know, when they came out with that slogan, what would Jesus do? That was a good thing. Because it makes you stop and think, What you're about to do. Is that something that Jesus would do? Huh? You know, the Bible says, do no harm to your neighbor, but if you're loving your neighbor, you're not going to harm your neighbor. Right? So, it works. So, number one, your perspective changes. You no longer look at things through a natural perspective. You look at things through a spiritual perspective. Number two, God's word now governs your thoughts, your speech, and your behavior. You're more upright than you are uptight. How many want to be more upright and less uptight? Amen? I want to be more upright. than I'm so thankful that uptightness is leaving. Amen? Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're not going to have a prolonged exodus. Okay. Titus, you've been here long enough. It's time for you to go. <laughs> no, now. I'm gonna say now. Now faith is. Now. Amen. So now the word of God governs your thoughts, your words, and your speech. Right? That this is how you grow as a Christian. You yield more to the Word of God. You do what it says. You behave how it says. Okay? Number three. You abide in Christ's words and his words abide in you. You know, when that happens, you can ask anything and it shall be done for you. But the qualifier is you abiding in him and his words abiding in you. There's an exchange. So if you want to surrender, you abide in Christ. Number four, you focus and seek God. You focus on and seek God. Your prayer becomes warfare instead of welfare. It's not about what you need; it's about what you want God to do. Amen. Too many times our prayers are welfare. I need this. I need that. I need this. I need that. Let's talk, let's get ourselves let's get our eyes off of ourselves a little bit. How, you know what? I, I've discovered. Sometimes when you have a need, if you help someone with that need, you get that need met. It's called sowing and reaping. And that's a principle that's going to be around until the earth remains. Is the earth still remaining? And that principle is still intact. All right? Your focus shifts from yourself to God and others. You know, when God told ex- God told Moses in Exodus 33, he says, I'm going to go and... and uh, Moses said, if your presence isn't going, I'm not going. He was more concerned about God's presence than he was about anything else. You know, we've we got to have God's presence in our lives. All right? The fifth thing, God empowers you to be alert and on guard. You've got to stand firm in the faith and be courageous. You know, Christians are courageous. You can't be a wimpy, weakling Christian. Why? Because you have the strength of God. How can you use God's strength to be a wimpy, weak, weak, weakling Christian? You know, I think of that garbage, uh, the the garbage bag commercial, hefty, hefty, hefty. wimpy, 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 hefty, hefty, hefty. Right? I want a garbage bag that's not going to break through. All right. Number six. You keep rank, you follow protocol, and you show up with a perfect heart to support your God-designated leaders. Did you know that some of David's mighty men, they came to him and they supported him as king? We've got to follow protocol. We've got to be on our guard, right? We've got to keep rank. There's no rank in the family of God, but there is rank in the kingdom of God. Isn't there? God has designated things. He has protocol in His kingdom. In the family of God, no. But in the kingdom of God, yes. He puts people in places of authority. And then finally, you're devoted to meeting with God regularly. Everybody say regularly. In His presence... And you go from glory to glory. You know, sometimes the Holy Ghost will act like prune juice. If you're not regular, it'll help you. How many know physically it's good to be regular, isn't it? When you're not regular, it's uncomfortable. But yet so many people in the body of Christ think it's okay to be irregular with their relationship with God. And therefore, they're missing out on the benefits of being with Christ. You know, I heard a message a long time ago. I think it was in Tennessee. And he said, it's in consistency that lies the power. You know, God looks for people to form habits of worship, habits, habits of Bible reading, habits of all this stuff, right? He looks for habits and patterns and and it's over that pattern that you can see what a person's character is a person's character is developed in a pattern it's what they do over and over consistently right whether someone's looking or not looking right that's what character is and how many know god wants us to have character so the goal of being a christian is to be christ-like amen christians are ambassadors of heaven Did you know that you're an ambassador? Your mission is to reconcile others who don't know Jesus. Every one of us are an ambassador. We have been commissioned by God with the ministry of reconciliation. A Christian walks on a straight and narrow way. They don't walk on a crooked path. They walk on a straight and narrow way. Right? As Christians, we're chosen to be holy and without blame. Amen? So... You can look at Psalm 15, and it outlines holiness. Holiness walks with integrity. It practices righteousness. It speaks the truth from the heart. It has no slander on its tongue. It does does not do evil to a neighbor or criticize a friend. It despises the vile, which is the dreadful, the awful, the disgusting, the evil, the wicked. It's okay to hate the wicked. Amen? Amen. The wickedness, I should say. God loves the wicked people, but he doesn't like what they do. They need to be delivered from what they're doing. And the only way to do that is to meet Christ. Right? Holiness honors those who fear God. It keeps its word no matter the cost. It lends money to brethren without interest. It refuses a bribe and is never shaken. How many want to never be shaken? Then live a life of holiness. Aren't you glad that we're connected to Christ? So the goal of Christianity is to be Christ-like in how we act and how we work. You know, a Christian's supposed to go the extra mile. A Christian's supposed to give double. Do you realize, do you know why God didn't have to say tithe in the New Testament? Because people were selling houses and giving the proceeds to the church. I'm not telling you to go sell your house. <laughs> but if God does, you know, he'll got something for it. So when you give like that, you don't have to institute a tithing. He had to do it in the Old Testament. But there were people in the Old Testament that did it without even knowing about it. Abraham did it. Abel did it. Jacob did it. They all tithed before there was ever a law about it. Amen? But aren't you glad that we are connected to Christ? We are connected to the anointing of God, the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God. Amen? When you're connected to Christ, get healed. When you're connected to Christ, your pocketbook is provided for. When you get connected to Christ, your desires become a reality. Because you begin to desire what he desires. Amen? So let's be Christ-like in all that we do. Amen? It's something to think about. Is there anybody here that needs to be healed? Or you need help financially? Can you make your way up here? Eileen, how many know that Christ has the power to change whatever, anything negative in our lives? Christ can turn it around. Amen? He did it himself. His apostles did it. His followers did it. Amen? And he's still doing it today. Is there anybody here that for whatever reason you haven't... Just just sit down right there on the end, end seat right there. For whatever reason you've never made Christ your Savior and your Lord, that's the most important, greatest decision. Step one of being connected with Christ is believe that Jesus is God's Son and confess Him as Lord. Believe that He rose from the dead with your heart and confess Him as your Lord. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. So Christianity is courageous because it makes a public declaration. All right, is there anybody here that to make Jesus your Lord? How about, is there anybody here that needs to reconnect with Jesus? For whatever reason, you got separated, you started doing your own thing, and you need to be reconnected. And then the prodigal son got reconnected. Is there anybody here that needs to get reconnected with God? You need your heart renewed. you need to have a renewed relationship. Renew a right spirit within you. David prayed after he said he said, Lord renew a right spirit within me. Because when you sin your spirit's not right. It gets infected. but you can come to Jesus. He's the cure. I'm just going to pray for those who are watching today. You need to be connected to Christ. Christ is the way to the Father. Christ is the way to health and prosperity. Christ is the way to eternal life. Father, I pray for all those who are watching and listening to this service, Lord. they have tuned in on Facebook or YouTube, Lord, and they're watching. And I just pray right now that your anointing begin to reach out to them, Lord, and you draw them to yourself, and they surrender to you in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, they give it up all to you, Lord, and they fully commit to you in Jesus' name. And I give you thanks and praise that you will work with them, you will walk with them, and you will show them what they need to know. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is a healing day. Jesus is in the healing business. He's interested in you becoming whole. So let's do that today. Father... In the name of Jesus, I pray over her right now, Lord, and I give you thanks and praise that your strength and power and creative ability is going into her body. And you're making everything right that's not right. You're removing the source of pain. You're fixing the problem. Lord, you're adding to her life. In the name of Jesus, I call you healed and whole in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I give you thanks and praise, Father, that your word is health to her all of her flesh in the name of Jesus. Your word is strength to her in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, that you have healed her and touched her and made her whole in Jesus' name. You believe that? Say, thank you, Lord, for healing me. And you just keep praising Him for that. You keep thanking Him. He loves you so much. You are important and special to Him. Hallelujah. You know, He's a God who does miracles. Yes. He does the impossible. Oh, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you how you anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And I thank you, Lord, that that same Holy Ghost and that same power is ours today. It belongs to your Son right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. The Holy Ghost and power is reversing the curse of the enemy. It's taking back what the enemy has stolen. It's replenishing what the enemy has done in your body in the name of Jesus. It's reversing the lie in the name of Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit and the name of Jesus. I release it to you in the anointing of Jesus Christ right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for doing whatever needs to be done in His body. If there's an organ that's not doing what it should, I speak life to that organ right now. I jumpstart that organ to start producing what it needs to produce in the name of Jesus. You hear me, organ? I speak to you right now. And I thank you, Lord, that every fluid will be regulated in his body by his body in the name of Jesus. Lord, he will no longer rely on external means to give him adequate health. But Lord, he has put his trust in you. His faith is in you. And by his faith, by your faith, you have been made whole in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord, for creating a right organ and managing the process of what it does in Jesus name from the top of his head to the soles of his feet he is energized with the power of God the power of God is flowing like a river strengthening and refreshing as it goes bringing new life to dead cells hallelujah new cells cells are being regenerated I see cells being created and regenerated in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The devil's work is done, and God's work has begun a long time ago. And now you're going to enjoy the fun that you have in the sun. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
1: You're getting strength right now. Ha. <laughs> Hallelujah. Has anyone ever felt that through the things of life you felt your joy being taken away? Your joy being stolen? Is there anybody here that feels their joy being stolen? If they can't take Jesus, they can't take the joy, because he's the source of joy. I thank you, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is her strength right now. You give her joy in her soul, joy in her mind. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that you are the author and the finisher of her joy. You give her joy unspeakable and full of glory in the name of Jesus. If you're going to live for Christ, I want you to end to your feet. God's looking for some bold believers who will do radical things. Amen? Amen? I'm telling you, the disciples of Jesus were radical. Peter got out of a boat and walked on water. That's radical. Amen? They went and healed people. He pulled up a man who was lame sitting at the gate. He healed him on his way to prayer. That's radical. Amen? Will you be a radical, redeemed believer for Jesus? If that's you, give God a shout. Hallelujah.
2: going to live for the devil. No longer going to live for the world. I'm living for God. I'm sold out. I'm blood-bought. I'm Holy Ghost-caught. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I got the appointment. I'm connected to Christ. I, I, I win everywhere I go in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I overcome the enemy. Glory to God.
1: No matter what pushes me down, I always rise to the top. Glory to God. I'm the cream of the crop. Hallelujah. Yeah. Miss Karen, come here. Stand right there. A lot of things have tried to push you down. You feel like you've lost it all. But you haven't lost... The source of all good things, which is Jesus. And you know what? As you put him first, he's going to add all these things. Everything that was a loss is going to be... Refound to you in a different way, in a better way, in the name of Jesus. You're about to go into Ziklag and you're about to go in and pursue and recover all. You're going to, God's gonna restore the years that the locusts have eaten, the years that the canker worm have eaten, the years that the Palma worm has eaten. God's gonna restore some years to you, beginning right now, in the name of Jesus. The devil will not win. He will not succeed, no matter how hard he tries. Hallelujah. Someone say praise the Lord. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for coming today. Thanks for watching today. Tune in next time and see what God will do.